Welcome to Despirituality. We're excited to have you listening, whether you're listening as you're driving in your car, maybe you're chilling out in the backyard and you've got those AirPods on or whatever useful tool you'd use to be able to listen and move yourself into the sanctuary of silence that is being with God. We hope to present for you today a wonderful parable from the parable series, The Parable of the Prodigal or Lost Son. It comes from Luke 15, and we're joined today by Brian Nita and Martin Oji, who are going to help us today, both with this parable, and we'll be doing another one, too, later on, that you'll be able to listen to, which is the parable of the wedding banquet. But let's get started with Luke 15, 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. And remember, if you listen to our previous episodes, parables are stories. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time of his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to a census, he said to himself, at home, even in the hired servants, have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on your brother's back he was told and your father's killed the fattened calf we're celebrating because of his safe return the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in his father came out and begged him but he replied all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends and when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes you celebrate by killing a fattened calf his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Brian Nita, Luke 15, your work, the parable of the prodigal son. 
Tell us what we can learn from this passage, because I think your writing says we should learn about our view of God. Absolutely. Man, I think our view of God matters because our view of God will determine how we talk to him, how we listen to him, and how we trust him if we want to be close to him. But I've learned from studying out this parable and even just looking at my own life that our relationship with God mirrors how we build other relationships. And so if we view God a certain way, it's going to influence how we view our spouse, how we view our parents, how we view our friends, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, our colleagues. And this parable gives me great hope and faith because no matter what your view is, you can change that view and you can learn how to develop a, a, a relationship with him that's closer if it's not as close. If there's okay. distrust, you can build trust. So, Brian, here's the question I have about the view of God. What views of God exist in this passage? I think there's two major views of God that exist in this passage. One, you see the younger son, and he sees God as a resource more than a relationship. Like that first part, he goes, hey, give me what I want before you die. He's like, this is about, I don't, I'm not into the relationship. I'm about what I can get out of the relationship. And then I think the older son, he sees God more as a roadblock to getting what he wants. He believes that he deserves a certain amount of things. And it's interesting because both the both brothers had a sense of entitlement to them, a sense of, hey, I deserve a certain something that I should get. And when we're entitled, we don't see a relationship as a human being. We see someone as either who's supposed to just give us what we want or we see someone as a roadblock to our happiness or what we deserve or whatever it may be. So how do we develop our view of God? Like, why do we even have a view of God that's distorted? Because you're, you're sort of implying, I would think rightfully, that, that someone's view of God can be distorted. Someone's view of God can be tainted. Someone's view of God can be corrupted. Someone's view of God can be affected negatively. Why do you think that is? I think for a variety of reasons, um, one's view of God can can be influenced uh, from either your own personal experiences or oftentimes, as I looked at my life, how I interpret certain experiences. I, I think a major relationship that influences how we see our God is oftentimes our relationship with our own dads. Mm -hmm. And in my relationship with my dad, I, I grew up very entitled. I, I saw him as somebody who in many ways, uh, was just supposed to give me what I want. <laughs> and, when he, and, and when he guided me or when he disciplined me, I saw him as someone who was strict, who was mean. Uh, I really believe my dad was a killjoy. Like his, his purpose <laughs> in life was to keep me from having fun uh -huh. at all expenses. Uh -huh. And that entitled view made me see my dad not through the right lens. Uh, and, I, I, and as I grew up, I carried that on into my relationship with God. So I think even our human relationships and how we interpret certain things influences how we'll see God and how we view that relationship. So let me ask you a question then, and I want to make sure I'm getting this right from what you're explaining. So you kind of saw your dad as an ATM. Yes, right? yeah, absolutely. And so when you went to the ATM and put your card in and then money came out, you were like, it's all good. Exactly. But when you went to the ATM and it says you have insufficient funds, then you got mad and you're like, dad, you're a killjoy. Exactly. Right. But, but, but the fact that you had insufficient funds was your responsibility, not so much his, because you could, if we continue with the analogy or the metaphor, you could go get a job and then put a check in the bank and have money. But 
as long as you went to that ATM and expected him to put the money in, you, you know, you were going to be set up to be angry. So when you're saying <laughs> entitled, I'm just trying to give an illustration. I think for a lot of us, if I'm hearing you correctly, we can see God as an ATM. I'm very interested in you only when you don't give me what I want. And what I mean by yes. that is I'm good with you and I don't even really need to talk to you as long as you're giving me what I want. But the moment you come in and clamp down and say, hey, you can't keep doing this or this isn't right or I'm not going to give you what you want today, then we can end up having our view of God change based on whether or not we're getting what we want. So you would say that the view of a person can change of God based on whether they're getting what they want. Am I misinterpreting you or would that be fair? That's fair. That That's exactly correct. In okay. fact, I was looking up the definition of entitlement, right? Oh boy, Cambridge, oh boy. Cambridge Dictionary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It says a feeling that you have the right to do or have what you want without having to work for it or deserve it just because of who you are. What do you think so, about that, Martin? That one got a, that that one got your attention. Yep that that is that's a good definition. I definitely think entitlement has been a big thing I've had to deal with, even even with the whole topic of view of God and how my own view of my father influenced that. Growing up, I was like my dad's favorite kid of all his kids. I was the only one born in in the United States. He's like, you're gonna be a great future world leader. And I was like, I am the man. I'm going (laughs) to dominate the world. And he always told me that. And then, you know, as I grew up and started making some, you know, not so good choices. Yeah. Yeah. That language changed a little bit, but I just always, (laughs) (laughs) it changed. That ATM said insufficient funds. Yes, it did. (laughs) But I grew up incredibly entitled and had to learn the hard way that it's not all about me. And I'm still learning it. It's still in me. My wife would tell you that, but <laughs> still working on that. Well, it's it's an interesting thing, Brian, that you've taken both of them, because a lot of people talk about the older son and the younger son, and they talk about the differences between them. You know, the younger son, uh, according to scripture, he he wants to to go off and, and, and find his own way and make his own way. And I think something right. important, if you're uh, at any age, but especially if you're a teenager or a college student, I don't know about you guys, but for me, there was this sense of, I want to get my independence. I want to go off and right. do my own thing. But it seems apparent to me that the younger son wasn't really ready to be on his own. And so what oftentimes happens is we think we're ready to be on our own, meaning we think we're ready to be on our own and we don't need God. I don't need to get right. up in the morning and pray. I don't need to get up in the morning and read my Bible. I want to get out and figure this thing out on my own. And I know I've had moments in my life where I want to be successful on my own. I want to do this. And there's almost this part of me that doesn't pray because I think I can do it. But I also deep down want to want to demonstrate that I can do it, that I have the ability. And so I think one thing to look at with the younger son is he wants independence. And a lot of times, especially in America, we celebrate independence at a level that I think can be destructive, not necessarily beneficial. And so right. would you would you have any thoughts on that or it, would that seem fair or right? Or am I off base to talk about one central component that kept the younger son from being with the father is he was more focused on his independence than he was on his relationship with his dad? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. I, I think about my own self and even an interaction I had with my dad when I was graduating high school. And um, 
he was like, look, you're going to have a tougher time transitioning into college. And uh, it, it might be better to go to JC because we got great JCs around here. Uh -huh. Right. And I'm like, no, I, I need to go straight to a four year college. Right. And uh, uh, my college that was it happened to be down the street from my high school. And so it felt like uh, it was Deanne's college. Great, great college. But it felt like it was my fifth year in high school. Okay. And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm beyond this. Right. And I just had this thought in my mind goes, man, my dad doesn't believe in me. He's hating on me. Uh -huh, he doesn't uh -huh. know that I could do this. I, I could be a four-year student. Yeah. And eventually I, I, I moved on and, and I transferred to San Jose State. And uh, man, almost eight years in, in, in college, <laughs> get, getting put on academic probation, uh, right, changed right. my major a bunch <laughs> of times. I finally came to my senses. And I realized, actually, no, my dad didn't hate on me. He was guiding me. He knew what was best. But I was so out to want to prove myself and want independence that I viewed things wrong. And I absolutely agree with you with God that that can be the same way as well. I, I think oftentimes um, because we want to prove ourselves, because we're insecure, we don't want to need God as much as we really do. Yeah, yeah, that's really excellent. And I appreciate you sharing about your own experience there. Uh, and me personally, knowing your dad, I can I can I can visualize that uh that conversation. And as a parent, I can understand that conversation because for the most part, as parents, we try to protect our kids. Uh, we yeah. try to protect them from failure. We try to protect them from pain. Now you can't do that. And I think the young, the, the father, he let the younger son go because at the end of the day, he was like, you know, you're going to have to learn. But I think sometimes we don't learn. Right. And I went through the right. same thing with my parents. And he, he, I think some people say they want to learn. And I see teenagers, college students, uh, young professionals and people that are older too. They, they, oh, I really want to learn. But as soon as they mm. face failure or pain, they get angry. They don't learn, they get angry. And mm -hmm. I think one of the things that's beautiful about this younger son is, I shouldn't have said they, we, because I, I, got, <laughs> I got angry at the points in my life where right. I went out and thought, yeah, I can do this. And then all of a sudden I'm like, uh, that didn't work out so well. And one of the things I think that we want to learn from the younger son is, he was willing to admit mm. his failure. Mm. And sometimes I think it's really hard to go back to the mom, go back to the dad, go back to God and say, I tried it mm. and I can't function. I can't pay my bills, uh, keep from, uh, uh, pay my insurance, pay my PG&E bill. I remember going to college and all of a sudden I had a refrigerator I had to rent and a phone bill and all this stuff I'd never had before. And, and, and suddenly all my cockiness began to drift away. And then, you know, I went to class and I couldn't keep up with everybody else. And I was like, right. wait a minute, I'm brilliant. Like Martin was saying, you know, I've been told I'm brilliant. <laughs> and, and, and you, I forgot all the structure I had, all the help I had, that didn't have to think about food, didn't have to, you know, when I got ready to drive somewhere, my mom and dad would say, here's some money for gas. Like all that was gone. And suddenly my independence became humbling. And I, mm. I did not go back to my parents until long, much later and go, right. yeah, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know. I don't know what was going on right there. And so I think it's important that we understand in this whole, uh, this whole story that one of the most relevant things is not just the father-son relationship, but the God-son or daughter relationship. Right. And I think also the mother-daughter relationship because moms and daughters can have things as well as fathers and sons. And then also coaches, teachers, mm -hmm. how we yeah. view people that are in charge or 
in authority. A lot of that can be distorted based on our view of what should a person in authority do. And if we see a person in authority should be giving us stuff, going back to your definition of entitlement, then we're going to get angry whenever the person in authority doesn't let us have what we want. And I want to I want to I want to move to Martin now and get his thoughts just on the older brother, because I think he's interesting. And we'll kind of close the pod talking about the older brother. But just right off the top of your head there, Martin, what's your thought about the older brother? What what hits you about the older brother? You know, I think the older brother was going through life, but being very dishonest about what he actually thought. Oh, okay. He had all these entitled thoughts, feelings, uh-huh. but the father had no idea. Uh-huh. And then when the son came back, all of a sudden, he doesn't even go in. He waits outside and he's pouting. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> then his dad comes out to him. And then he finally starts saying, hey, all these years I've been slaving for you, doing all this for you. <laughs> uh, but you never gave me anything to celebrate with my friends. Nothing. He kept it all inside. And I, I think, you know, with entitlement, you know, it's very easy to keep those entitled thoughts in your head, in your heart, in your mm-hmm. mind, and no one actually knows. And, you know, so that's the first thing that comes to mind. It also made me think about, you know, like I was saying earlier, I grew up incredibly entitled. Uh-huh. And then when I left, because, you know, I was born in New York and I grew up in West Africa. When I came out here, all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, I am so entitled. And I remember I wrote a letter to my mom. I said, uh-huh. mom, you did everything for me. Thank you for all. Because I think I was shocked by life. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. think. I was shocked by <laughs> real life. Yeah. I was yeah. shocked by bills. Shocked by having to get a job. Shocked by going to college. I'm like, oh my goodness. So, you know, it just made me think about that. But while I was home, I didn't. All those entitled thoughts were all just in, inside of me. And so I didn't if, express if I'm listening to you right, the younger son was honest. Right. He was like, give me mine now. Yep. And the older son was dishonest and he was he was sort of compliant, but he was just trying a different way to get what he wanted. That's so the younger right. son was like, give it to me. The older son was like, no, I'm the good kid. I'm the kid who never rebels. I'm the kid who always listens. I'm the kid who follows direction. I'm the kid who stayed home with you. But the goal wasn't a relationship with the father. A goal was to get what he wanted. So at the end of the day, you're saying entitlement, taking your perspective, Mark, entitlement is saying, I got stuff I want that I think I should have. And the only question is, how do I get it? And if we take that into our relationship with God, it's going to be a problem because God doesn't want a relationship where we perform to get where we want or, well, where we rebel to get what we want. He actually wants us to say, hey, I want the relationship. And I was the same way with my mom and dad. I had a great parents, but I was when I think back, I was so selfish, like it Mm -hmm. just never occurred to me that I should do anything. It was like, uh, wait, wait, you should support me in my greatness. I'm going to be great. And therefore, you as parents, you have been blessed to have a child you can support. Right. I remember this is how bad it was. I remember one time I was reading as a kid the movie, the the, the book, The Prince and the Pauper. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. And no, it's, it's where the it's where the two kids. I can't remember who wrote it. If it's Charles Dickens or. Yeah, I think it was Charles Dickens. But. 
uh, The Prince and the Pauper. And uh, we'll put it in the show notes for everybody listening so you can get the right uh, book. But basically what happens, these two uh, 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 guys, they get swapped. They're twins. They get swapped out. And so one is poor and the other is like the prince, you know, mm. uh, he, he's going to be king. And so they switch places, the prince and the pauper. And and it's like uh, a, a whole story about how, you know, I'm this pauper, but I, I really am. I really should be a prince or or a king. And I used to always think that's what happened to me. I got swapped out and I'm supposed to be like in a royal family, like with kings and queens, <laughs> but I've been put in this normal middle-class family. And I, I, I thought that's how huge my brain was about how, about me and growing up, man, I'll tell you, becoming a Christian, I think that made me face the truth of one, I have great parents, two, they have done all kinds of stuff for me that I never had to do. And I've mm-hmm. never learned to really take full responsibility. And so my character's been defective, like the younger son. And, you know, there's a, well, I had a friend who once said there's a hard way and an easy way. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. talked about, he said, I always take the hard way, meaning he said, I, he, he himself always took the hard way. And that's what I think, especially when I was young. Mm. For those who are listening, and we're going to wrap up this pod, and uh, we want you to know, go back and read the Bible, because that's really the key. On the DeepSpirituality.com website, you'll be able to find the actual study that Brian has written, and you'll find a slim down study that you can use to share and discuss with your friends. Brian, I'm going to have let you have the last word. Uh, as someone who has has gone through, you know, uh, uh, been a Bay Area uh, a kid, uh, high school Bay Area, college Bay Area, uh, what would you say to younger people about uh, reading the parables in the parable series and letting that be a way to let you fall in love with the Word of God? Do you have a, a piece of advice for them? Yeah, I, I mean, as I was reading this, going over the parable, it, it helped me to take a sense to relook at my own view of God. And the parables, they're great because they're simple, but they're deep. And and they're real life applicable. Like every parable that there is, it's teaching me real life lessons about how I build relationships now. And so it's not just about um, kind of church and whatnot. It, it applies to every area of our life. Like Jesus is incredible in terms of how he teaches in these parables. Um, I got an insight looking at this for the first time. I was like, wow, sometimes we're mo- when we're entitled, we're more into the transaction than we are to the connection mm. in the relationship. Yes, yes. And when you're into a transaction, there's unwritten rules to the relationship, meaning mm. like the the, oh. the the gal that cuts my hair, right? It's a transaction. Yep. It, it, it's great. We chit chat and whatnot, but I'm there for a service. She cuts my hair and I pay her amount of money. And as I looked at this older son, even as uh, Martin was talking about it, there's an unwritten rule that mm. goes, hey, if I behave, you're going to give me what I want. Mm. Beautiful. And, and then, what, then, then when the son didn't obey, the, transa- the transaction was violated. And no. because the transaction is violated, uh-huh. then we get angry. Then we get upset. Then we feel like our sense of fairness has been violated and we get mad. Wow. And so it taught me to go, man, how am I looking at my relationship with God now? I've graduated by, oh, man, sometimes I can see God as a therapist, meaning I want a transaction where I just go to him and I pray and I tell him all my worries and thoughts. 
and I don't, and I walk away like, okay, great. I feel better now. Yeah. <laughs> but not yeah. necessarily take an interest in God and go, well, how does God feel in the relationship here? That's and fantastic. So I, I, as much as I written it, it was helpful for me even now. And it continues to help me. That's nice. fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, I thought I was the younger son, but now you guys have convinced me I'm the older son. But that's the beauty of Jesus' parables. You can be anything he wants to tell you you are at any moment in time that will help you grow. Don't be negative. Be inspired because the stories of the parables are meant to help us know God better. Thanks to Brian and thanks to Martin for helping us out with this parable of the prodigal son. And don't forget, check out thespirituality.com for the studies. You can find those there. And keep listening because we have more podcasts to come. The next one on the docket that you can listen to is the parable of the wedding banquet.